good is the series we're in, and today I want to talk about three by five. Um, I've got a few things that I want to say, just some notes that may be helpful for us. We were all busy as, as I was interviewing a number of world leaders and, and some key leaders in the church over the COVID season, I realized that they all had a similar story. And it's not just people who were in ministry. I think business leaders and family leaders and educational leaders all were saying a similar thing. We felt like we had come to this place where we were running about as fast as we possibly could. You know that when a kid's running down a hill and they start running and they think it's fun and then they hit that, that moment where you know they, there's no chance of them going to be able to stop themselves. They're about three steps away from destruction. And it felt like we were all a little bit like that. And then uh, the, 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 if you can see COVID in a positive light, it's like the Lord put his arm up and just stopped everybody and, and, and gave us a year and a, and a bit to just breathe. And we all found a new reality and we found a new pace and we had to stay at home. And, and, and he basically, and, 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 and that is about to be removed. The worst thing I think we could possibly do is pick up the same pace and start running forward again. Like, oh, look, we didn't, we didn't get hurt. That was fun. No, I, th- I, think, I think coming out of the season, I think part of the gift that God gave us was this ability to, to refocus, to come back, to center ourselves, to come center ourselves on his passion, center ourselves on what is real value, center ourselves on what God's wanted, and not just to run flat out into the future, but to run deliberately, to run in a focused way, not just doing good, but doing the right things, not doing things right, doing the right things. And so the question that has been on my heart, and I would suggest to you, is that when we, we, we're waking up and the, and the world is waking up and we're going to start moving forward again and we're going to start going after things, let's go after the right things. And that's kind of focused us as a, as a leadership in the church to say, what is it that we're asking everybody to engage with us on? And we, we came up with this idea of a just one vision, that it is our responsibility in line with the Word of God to win and disciple just one person. Let's go and be about the king's business. As we go back into our lives, let's be about this important king's business to win and disciple people. And so we started the just one idea. And uh, it's part of an intentional choice to walk into a future. Now, hopefully we're all going to get back to those busy and productive lives. But this gospel that we share is a tangible expression of the nature of God, that we believe we have a God who is immensely good, too good. And that God who is that good gives us a message of good news. And he says, I want you to go and share how good I am and how amazing this message is. Go and share good news. Don't go share bad news. Share good news. Go out into all the world and tell them, this is who God is and this is the great news. And in this regard, the tiniest action is better than the greatest intention. So let me say what I, what I said to Michelle during this week. I don't want to teach anymore, which is, which is very strange for me. Uh, I feel like it's time to stop teaching and it's time to get people moving. It, I, I would rather that you said that was a horrible message, but you went out and did it this week than told me, Greg, that was deep and amazing and didn't do it. Is that fair? I, I, the measurement of this message is not, oh, wow, it was so deep. The measurement of this message is, did you actually do it this week? That's way more exciting for me. And so I said, I don't want to teach anymore. I just want to move people. So if I haven't moved you by the end, just come up and say, that didn't move me at all. You know, just help me. Because we've got to find a way to get people moving along this thing. That's why the tiniest action. 
the tiniest action that you take this week in this direction is better than the greatest any intention. So let's move on. We have the most uh, influence on the people that we know best and the know who know us. People we grew up with, our friends and our family, the people we spend a lot of time with at work. And the point is, these are the people that my heart is moved towards. I care about them. It's important to me. And while everybody on the planet is important to God, I don't connect with everybody on the planet, but the people I connect with, I care about. And so I'm motivated. If, I, if I've been the recipient of God's grace and His kindness and His faithfulness and His gentleness, I want to go to people I care about and say, Listen, man, I've got to just tell you something. I'm not trying to be weird. I'm not trying to impose on your life. But I've got to tell you, this is too good. This is too good not to share. This is too important for me not to say something to you. This is too good. I've got to tell you about what Jesus did in my life. So naturally, when I'm thinking about, okay, I want to be deliberate about this, and I want to fix my heart and head, and I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to add this. I'm going to be intentional then I have, to, I have to start building it into my life. Because if you're anything like me, if I'm not careful, if I don't make a deliberate choice right now, my life will flood with busyness that every bit of my plate seems important, but it may not necessarily be the thing that God has called me, me to. So I have to set it. I have to put the big rocks in my calendar first. I have to be deliberate and intentional about, no, this is what I'm going to be doing. And so this message is about that. I'm urging you, I'm calling you to put the big rocks in first. I'm calling you to say, put this on the agenda. Be intentional about this. And so I'm, when I'm thinking about this, I, I ask myself, who are the best people that are most prone to hear good news from me? Who's going to listen to my story? Who knows me enough to know that what I'm saying is true? Because it tends to be the people that I care most about and the people who care most for me and the people that I spend most of my time with. So let me talk to you about the first category of five that I want to talk about, and that's people we care for. The people we care for, and, and there are five groups of five categories within that. Number one is my family. Now, family is both easy and hard to reach with the gospel because your family knows you the best. And if there's real change in your life, they're going to see the real change because uh, your family has watched you try and fail in your own strength. But when Jesus comes in and blows everything out of your life, when he radically alters you, when he completely changes your world, the family are going to notice that. And so the family is somebody you've got to get, get out there and just tell them what Jesus is doing for you because they'll believe you because they'll see it in your life. And many are the people who when they got born again, they led their whole family to the Lord. It's one of God's ways, you and your entire family, because that's the way God has designed it. So, so I just want to dare you. A part of you, your group of people you need to be intentional with is your family. Tell them about what God's doing for you. Now, now your family, if they're anything like mine, are going to show a little bit of skepticism. And you have to blow by that because they remember you when you went your worst and when you were at your stupidest and that dumb thing that you did. Remember when you did that thing and you go, yeah, I've sort of grown since then, but let me tell you what Jesus has done in the meantime. So sometimes you have to press a little through, but family is one of those categories. Maybe there's somebody in your family the Lord's calling you to reach. Second category group is your, your friends. 
Now, friends are the best. I love friends. Friends are the easiest to win to Jesus because your friends have been with you in the good, the bad, and the ugly. They, they were with you in that time, and your friends know you, and they've seen you at your worst, and they've seen you at your best. And when a real change happens on the inside of you and you speak with conviction, it has a tremendous power to influence your friends. <coughs> I remember when I first met the Lord, I, I introduced the Lord to my whole class. I, I, we, we, we just went out and preached everywhere. I led the captain of the, I played rugby, I played the captain of the rugby team and the guy who played for state. And I, we, we just led people to the Lord because they knew me and they'd seen the difference in my life. So there are some friends that you have right now that, that are prime people for you because you care about them. I'm not asking, I'm trying to make them on a list. This is not some list of people we don't care about. We're just working a strategy. No, I'm just saying be deliberate about the people you care about. And your friends are a great place to start. Thirdly is your neighbors. Now, <clears throat> if you're deliberate about your neighbors, see, the easier thing for me is just to wave at my neighbors while I open my remote door in my garage and drive in and close it again. But I've started to be intentional with my neighbors. When I take out the garbage and I walk the dog and when we, we talk about boundary lines and we moan about the HOA and all of those sorts of things. But I've, I've just been deliberate about connecting with them a little bit more, just hanging out a little bit more time. Hey, we're gonna be away. I see you're away. Can I pick up your mail for you? What do you want? How can we help? And a relationship begins to work with the neighbor, neighbors and they all start, oh, he's not such a bad guy. You know, that's, yeah, that's nice. And so I'm just saying that one of the categories that maybe the Lord's going to whisper to you about somebody you need to reach is one of your neighbors. And, uh, and the fourth uh, in that group of people we care about are your colleagues. These are the people that you work with uh, at least 15 minutes uh, a week. It's a little bit trickier because most places in the, in the workplace are not going to welcome uh, public preaching. But acts of dis, uh, kindness and displays of humanity and compassion and dealing with people truthfully and, in other words, living as an example or as a testimony uh, is part of what you do. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel always and where necessary, use words. That's the point. So when you, when you make up your mind that I'm going to work not just to earn uh, a paycheck so I can pay the bills, but I'm going to work because there's a kingdom mission here. I, I'm going to work because there's an eternal reality on the other side of it. It's not just about living the American dream. It's now about the kingdom's dream, about winning some of these people. It makes me go to work not just to perform, not just to look good, but to work in such a way that I can bring honor to Jesus and I can give me an opportunity to speak to some of my colleagues. It is inevitable that if you walk well, your colleagues who are in need will come to you. And then there are acquaintances. These are just people that the Lord is gonna bump you, connect you with, you're gonna bump into them, you don't know them well, and it'll all just, boom, open a door and you get to minister to them and you get to speak to them and, and touch their lives and, and do wonderful things. There is a moment there when you meet somebody and the Lord opens the door, you just need a little bit of boldness and step through it and God will meet you. You don't know them well, they're acquaintances, but God is gonna do that. So let me, let me run through this list again. I know I'm going quickly, but we have much to cover. So there are people we care for. And I would suggest, because at the end of this, I've got a, a performer that, I, that you can take home and you can work on this, but write out the names of some family members and some friends and some neighbors and some colleagues and some acquaintances. Do you say, Lord, could you give me an opportunity in the lives of these people? I feel like these are the people I'm after. Just because it creates an intentionality in your mind, it creates a little bit of a focus to say, okay, that's who I'm trusting God for. 
When we built this building, before we put the carpets in, we had all the families come, Northlands come and write down the names of people they were trusting God to, to see come to the faith. Our, our names are written right there under the chair that I usually sit in. We wrote them down right there. Every name we wrote down there has come to know the Lord since. It's very cool. There's some people that you can be intentional about, about what it is that you're saying, God, could you bring them to, to faith? God will give it to you. Now, um, when I, when I get that list of people, I go, okay, those are the people I'm trusting God to win. And, and you know, the acquaintances you won't know, but God will bring, bring them to you. And there are gonna be some people that spring to mind, people you care about, especially look at people you spend more than 15 minutes a week with. Say, what do I do, Greg? Now, okay, I've got that list. These are the people I care about. I genuinely, I genuinely care. I want their lives to be blessed. I want them to be just flourishing. Well, what do you do? Well, then there's five prayers that I think you need to pray. So here we go, the second five. Prayers you should be praying for those people. These are the same prayers that Paul asked everybody to pray for him. See, this is not weird. This is Paul, the great apostle, the guy who was just rocking the world. He goes, guys, I need prayer. And that just gave me hope. Because sometimes I feel like, I don't know what to do. Lord, I need prayer. So this is what Paul prayed. Pray, number one, for opportunities to speak. God, could you open a door? I don't want to just walk up and go, hi. Do you know Jesus? You know, that feels awkward, you know? It's just like, I don't want to, do, I don't want to be that guy. I mean, I'm happy to be that guy. I just don't, don't work very often. I've preached on the streets. I've, you know, I've done it all. I've knocked on doors. I, 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 it, very, very little fruit. So Paul said in Colossians 4, pray for us that God may open the door for our message. And I, I tell you what, this is exciting. Start to pray for that list of people that you have. Lord, could you open a door for me? Could you open a door? It's very cool when a door opens. We, I, I was saying we, we had a group of about 30 people. We went out to dinner together. Half of them I didn't know well, my brother and sister-in-law. Uh, you know, we were friends and they invited us and we were sort of through and they were, they were not, not church-going people and they were just telling stories and everyone was drinking a little bit tipsy and, and uh, my brother-in-law turned to me and he said, uh, he asked me a question about, about faith. And uh, I started answering, and for about 10 minutes, everyone went dead quiet, and I just got to preach the gospel. Because the door opened. And he, it was just a moment. And then after about 10 minutes, everybody wanted to talk about, you know, whatever they wanted, and, the, and it went back. But I just loved that moment. I was just sowing seeds into 30 lives because the door opened. Pray that a door opens for your message in their lives. Pray for opportunities. And uh, Paul was in change when he prayed that prayer, by the way. And, and, it, and later on, he says, you know, because of, because of your prayers, the whole palace guard has heard the gospel. Why? Because they, they kept locking Paul next to a guard. They kept chaining him to a guard. And then they, chained, they changed the guard every four hours. Paul was like, welcome, come sit. Yeah, let's talk. <laughs> the whole palace guard heard the gospel. Second prayer to pray. Lord, give me the right words to say. Open a door. Give me the right words. See, I, you know, but this is what Paul said. Listen, pray for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me. Go, but Paul, you're the guy who wrote the New Testament. I mean, most of it. How come you asking for words? Well, I'm just that it gives me hope. Lord, Lord, open the door. But when it opens, give me the words to say. That's a great prayer to be praying. Give me the words. Words be given me so that I can fearlessly proclaim this gospel. The third prayer to pray is boldness. I need to be fearless. See, it doesn't help if the door opens up and you go, 
Uh, no, no, well, ask so-and-so. The one thing Jesus said is, he said, don't take your lights and hide it under a bowl. And so I've just learned, I don't need to run around shining my light in people's eye, but when the door opens, I just don't need to hide the light. Is that fair? So let your light shine when the door opens. So, but this is what Paul said, Ephesians 6, pray for me that words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make, be made, make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. That was a prayer Paul asked for. Pray for me. Open a door, Lord. Give me the words. Give me courage. Give me boldness. I need, I need to say this. And sometimes it just takes a step of boldness. We were out this week. One of the servers came around. She, it wasn't particularly good service. She kept us waiting. She apologized. Oh, I'm so sorry I kept you waiting. She kept us waiting with the waters. Then she kept us waiting for the order. She was harassed and harried. And, and then eventually our food came, and I, and I said to her, hey, we're just going to give thanks for this food. Is there something we could pray for you for? Because we're pastors in, in the church in the city, and, and we just love to pray for you. And she, and she almost broke down, and she said, man, I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm just here from you know, another state, and I'm just starting out. And... Uh, told us about her grandmother who had just died, began to open up her life story and began to just talk about where she said, you know, she showed us a little New Testament. She said, I had a pastor this morning who came in and gave, gave me this Bible. And she said, yesterday there was a pastor. And I said to her, you know, God has sent three pastors to you in two days. God really loves you. He's after, you know, and, she, and we had this conversation. We had a, a whole conversation about how God loved her. And I just want to say it took a little boldness. It wasn't a lot just a little bit of boldness. And we're having a conversation about her life and about how God loves you and, and how he's focusing on her and what is her response going to be. Number four, Paul, Paul said, give me, give me clarity, Lord. Open a door, give me the words, give me courage. And, and when, when I speak, don't let it, you know, sometimes when you speak, it feels like the words fall out of your mouth, hit the floor, and then skulk off. Does it ever feel like that to you? So sometimes when I'm speaking to people, and I go, oh. Paul said, Lord, Lord, could you help me? Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. A, a clear presentation of the gospel is a matter of prayer. You've got five people or so that you're wanting to pray for. Now pray these five prayers. And lastly, pray that it'll be well received. 2 Thessalonians 3.1 Pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored. Spread rapidly and be honored. Let's pray for that. Say, Lord, could you open a door? Could you give me words? Could you give me boldness? Could you make it clear? And can you make it just spread like wildfire throughout the office? Great prayers to pray. Here they are again. Pray for opportunities to speak, the right words to say, for boldness to speak up, a clear message, and that it's well received. And then uh, there are some things that we need to make the most opportunity of. There are certain times when the people that you're focusing on and that you've prayed the prayers for them, there are gonna be certain times when people just tend to be more open to the word. 
Remember, I'm not trying to preach a, a, a slot machine package here. I'm just saying these are people I care about. These are people I have in my heart. I'm going, I really would like to explain this good news to you because honestly, I met the Lord and he was the kindest person I've ever met in my life. He's the most compassionate and gracious and forgiving and helpful and encouraging person. Revolutionized, absolutely, literally revolutionized my life. And I'd love to share this with people that I care about. So I'm not trying to work a plan here. I'm just going, I've just noticed that there are are five moments in people's life where they're most receptive. And so in these moments, if I'm choosing to be deliberate about, okay, I'm gonna engage with just one vision, there are five moments in the lives of people that when those happen, I, I tend to have to just perk myself up and say, right now is the moment to be proactive. Now is the moment to step up. Now, Paul said in Romans 15, I'm not gonna venture to speak about anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God. But what I've said and done, I I have to understand the gospel is not just saying, it's also doing. There is saying and doing. I cannot just preach the gospel with words, I have to live a life in front of people. So it's saying and doing. And then Paul added a third thing. He said, by signs and wonders, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Can I venture to say that if you've only spoken the gospel in words, you haven't fully proclaimed the gospel? Okay, I'll come to this side because that side wasn't. If you haven't, if all you've done is say the words, you haven't yet fully proclaimed the gospel because part of the gospel proclamation is that you need to put an expectation on people that God is gonna step in and make a difference. I dare you to see God's power break through because there is an opportunity for us as the church to engage with people in a way because their unsaved neighbor can show them kindness and compassion, but their unsaved neighbor cannot show them the power of God. And so the church needs to preach the gospel and we need to create in, as part of our gospel presentation this expectation that God can do supernatural things on, on your behalf. And so in Ephesians 5 and in Colossians 4, Paul says the same thing. Do not be unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Uh, 4 verse 5, conduct yourself with wisdom towards outsiders making the most of the opportunity. So there is this mandate in the New Testament that we should make the most of opportunities when God gives them to us. And that, again, requires intentionality on our part. So uh, when I'm coming to, uh, when I'm, I'm praying for these people, I'm, I'm engaged with these people, and I'm watching, when should I be proactive? So number one, the, the thing that I've learned is I need to show up for them in crisis. When people are in crisis, they just, they don't need me to be the, the savior of everything. They don't need me to fix all the problems that they're facing. They just need somebody to stand alongside them and say, what can I do? How can I help? I'm here for you. Because people are gonna remember those people who stood by them way more than a, the, the things that they did. It, it, is a, it is a thing when somebody stands with you in your crisis. It's, it's a very, very helpful thing. And so when the people around you and the people you care about are in crisis, I I just want to say that's the moment to be proactive. Just step up. Help them. Stand with them. Be there for them. Speak less. Sometimes you just need to be with them. Sometimes you just need to ask questions. Sometimes you just need to hold them. Just be there for them. 
The second thing is be compassionate in their grief. You know, uh, we, we spoke about the last couple of weeks, the God who is the compassionate. There was the first item that God felt the need to tell people about who he was. I'm the compassionate God. And people need our compassion in their grief. It is not the time for moralizing. It's not the time to point out why they're in pain. Don't add condemnation on top of people's grief. Be a human being who feels with them. I guarantee you there will come a moment when they start asking the questions about why this happened and is there something I can prove. Now's not the time. Don't add condemnation. Well, if you'd have been a better whatever, you wouldn't be in this pain. Don't pick on people in grief. Don't hurt them. Don't preach to them. Just show compassion. I am so sorry for your loss. I really am deeply moved by your loss. Now, here's what I've learned about people in grief. What is kind is that you say, if there's anything I can do to help. It usually never materializes in anything they ask you to do. Because a person in grief is not thinking about ways that they can ask you to help them. They're just in pain. So the best thing you can do to somebody in grief is say, I have decided to provide meals for you for the next five nights. What kind of meal would you like? Uh, you don't have to do that. No, no, we are doing that. I'm just asking you what meals you would like. We're getting cleaners in to clean your house. Take care of a practical need for people who are in grief. We're going to pick your kids up from school for the next few days. Whatever it is. Do you understand? Take responsibility. Stand with the people in grief. Be compassionate to people in grief. Sometimes the world is better at compassion than the church is. Because the church is so knotted up in our heads about, well, you know, there's something in their life. And, we get, and, and somebody alongside them who's just being a human being, just going, oh, I'm so sorry, man. What can I do? Yeah, yeah, let me help. Sometimes the church comes off as inhuman. Now, the tricky thing about grief is you have to get out of your own frame of reference. You have to get into their frame of reference. You know, Michelle and I lost three, three children and they, they died and we, we buried them a couple of weeks apart and we were just grieving. And then people would come to us and go, yeah, you know, that reminds me of my uncle also died and you know, he was close to me and I, I just hurt for months and then oh, my mother died and then it was terrible and I also lost a baby and then eventually I go like, I don't, I don't need anyone else to commiserate with me. I can't handle your grief. I'm grieving here and you're coming just adding your grief on top of mine. Get out of your frame of reference and get into mine. Right? Don't tell me theology. Just come sit here with me and cry. Let's be compassionate when people are grieving. I'm telling you what, you'll preach more gospel to people when you're compassionate to them. Number three, let's celebrate their victories. <laughs> be happy for them. Years ago, we, we, I've told the story before, we were on a place, we were just mourning, we'd lost our kids, we were just in, in not a good shabby place, and we went to this resort, and there was no one there, and it was just us and another couple. And the owner of the resort had a, it was a lake, and he had a boat, and he said, hey, we're going for sundown, you know, sundown on a cruise, and we were like, ah. 
And so we said, okay, we'll go. It's just because it break the monotony. And we got on the boat and this other couple got on and he just closed the deal he'd been working on for four and a half years. And he goes, I just, I just heard I closed the deal and it's a multi-million dollar. And it was just like, he was pumped and he got on and he had a bottle of champagne and he had some glasses, like some paper cups and he was like, celebrate with me. And at that stage, we were, you know, we were pastors in a Baptist church and we were like, oh, 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 you know, <laughs> couldn't possibly. And we were like, oh no, we don't, you know. And he was like, no, but I could see he was like, yeah, no, just relax. Just, I mean, I'm not asking you to get drunk. I'm just going like, hey, we're just going to have a toast. Like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, woo. We're like, oh, oh no. And, then, and now it was awkward because those two and the boat guy, they were like, yay. And we were like, yeah, chicken bottom mouthed and you know, looking. Now it was an awkward hour and a half together. And we got off the boat guy. We kept our Christian witness. You know, what, you know what I would do now if I was on the boat? I'd be like, hey, man, woo, congratulations. That is so cool. Tell me about your business. Because I would have spoken to him for 10 minutes about his business, and I guarantee you he would ask me, what do you do? And I was like, woo, let me tell you. I guarantee you now. We would have gone for that little hour and a half boat. I would have preached the gospel to everybody there because they were in a captive audience. Might have cost me a sip of champagne which I'm sure the Lord going to handle. Do you understand? Let's just celebrate with people's victories. Encourage them in their fears. The church, we've got such a power here, guys. We've got more power than anybody else. We can just encourage people with hope. Where are they going to get hope from in the world? It's remarkable how much encouragement people can take away from somebody who's bold with their hope. And lastly, pray for their needs. And, I, and it's, I'm rushing because I want to get to this. We have this thing, this weapon in our arsenal that nobody else has. We pull out this sword. We go, hey, hey, hey. Let me tell you, my God is so good and he cares. You know there's a giant of a God in you. He dreams great dreams for you. And he wants to change your life. What do you need? Because we've prayed. We've seen God answer before. But I'm telling you now, he loves you. What do you need? Come, I'm going to pray with you. We have seen, I had the guy call this week. He goes, we, we were praying. And then for our business, our business was in trouble. And then, and then we prayed and then, we, we were just talking in the business. Whoa, that thing that was such a big, it just disappeared. And the only difference between then and now was we got you to pray. I love that. Brag on God. Call on his name. Give him something. Give God cause to back you. Scripture says the, the, the early church went out everywhere and they preached the gospel, the good news. And the Lord confirmed his good news by signs that followed. The signs don't come first. The signs follow the bragging of the church. Give the Lord something to step up to. Give the Lord something to, to go. I'm going to confirm that word. Here they are, all five. Show up in a crisis. Be compassionate in grief. Celebrate their victories. Encourage the fearful. Pray for their needs. Now, this is going to be on the website, this performer, this little sheet that I put up there. And that's just the whole sermon together. And you can go get that. If you go to the website, you can download it from there. My suggestion is sometime, if you, want to, if you genuinely want to be proactive, if this sermon actually moved you beyond tickling your ears, it actually moved you like, I'm going to go do this, then I would say download this from the website. Take that, sit, say, who are the people I care for? Ask the Lord. Who are my friends, who are the family, who are the neighbors, who are the colleagues? Who do you want me to go after? And then those are the five prayers. I'm start to pray for that group of people. Lord, I'm praying. So, the, so you know, at best you can have 15 if you, fill it, if you filled in all three names on each category. 
maybe you won't get that many. Maybe you just get one. Maybe, maybe there won't be anyone. But get a group of names. You go, okay, Lord, I'm praying for those people because I care about these people. Pray for them. Pray those prayers over them. And pray those prayers over you that you'd have boldness. And then watch for those five areas because those five areas are going to make them most receptive to you. My point here is that there is a moment for us in this season, coming back, refocusing, getting ready to run again. Let's not just do things right. Let's do the right things. This is the right thing for you. Because something starts to happen when you love somebody into the kingdom and you see their lives transformed and they say, thank you. Thank you for this treasure. Because it starts to become a joy to see many, many people coming to the kingdom because you got out and did what Jesus called you to do. Miracles and lives transformed on the other side of your step of obedience. And it's not hard. It's good news. And God wants to use you. Now I'm going to close in prayer. I just want to pray uh, in case somebody doesn't know the Lord. You can pray this prayer and say, Lord, I'm coming to you right now. So if you don't know the Lord, pray this prayer with me. If you mean it and you believe, God is going to change your life radically. Let's pray. Pray this. Lord, please forgive me. I need you. I need you in my life, and I'm asking you to come and be my Lord and Savior. I give you my life. Change me. Wash me clean. Give me a brand new hope and a future. Be a friend and a father. And fill my life with joy. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope that for many of you, this will be a week where you actually step up and say, I'm going to do something. Because if you do, it'll have made my life happy. Do something.